Are you ready for a travel adventure? How about an exciting trip to Venice or an exhilarating experience in Bangkok? Maybe you were more about a culinary adventure in Barcelona or just a relaxing day cruising the canals of Amsterdam. Join the Professor Travel as he invites you on an epic excursion, one that has you traveling the globe with him. Come and experience a world of culture, a world of history and architecture, a world of food and experiences to broaden your mind and save you time and money as you travel. Learn more, discuss more, travel more, and enjoy life more. And now your host, The Professor Travel. Greetings, students, and welcome to this episode of The Professor Travel. I am your host, The Professor Travel, coming to you from Orange County, California. This is the website, the vlog, and the podcast that you come to in order to learn more about different travel destinations. This is where we come as a community in order to talk about them, to discuss them more. Hopefully, this will inspire you to travel more and ultimately to enjoy life more. Now, you can reach me on a variety of different social media platforms, including but not limited to my website, which is at theprofessortravel.com. On YouTube, on Facebook, and now on TikTok, you can find me there at The Professor Travel. If you're an Instagrammer, you can find me there at the underscore professor underscore travel. If you're on Twitter, you can find me there at The Professor TR1. And then finally, if you're a blogger, you can find me there at theprofessortravel.blogspot.com. Today, I'm welcoming back a emeritus professor at this point, Marissa Paul Frederico. How are you doing? Um, hanging in there with this. What is, what are we going on? Month nine? <laughs> oh my gosh. The coronavirus is kicking us all. It's just terrible. Um, so again, thank you so much for taking the time to interview with us today. I know my students are always appreciative of getting your insight on different places that you've been. So, so again, thanks so much for your time on this. Absolutely. Before we get started on anything, can you share a little bit about just a quick little preview about what this picture is about? <laughs> sure. Um, well, today's subject, uh, which, which you haven't mentioned yet, is Cuba. Yeah. Um, and, the, you know, Cuba is known for its uh, old cars, um, which dates back to, they, they date back primarily to the 1950s or earlier, as, as the car that we're sitting in does. Uh, and and it, it primarily because, you know, once the embargo started, they couldn't get anything new. So this is an old 1920s car. And we actually hired it as a cab, <laughs> as you do when you're in Cuba. And I am there with my partner who's standing up and then two very good friends um, that I've made over the years, Elise and Chris, um, uh, Elise in the green uh, shirt and Chris with the hat. And the four of us decided to go to Cuba. So we're in Havana. And we, we, we see this car, we decide to hire it, and then we just said, okay, that's it, picture time, group picture time, because we weren't really taking a lot of pictures of ourselves. So, so you know, we're just all hanging out of the car and we're just having a great time. It seems like it would be a lot of fun. And it just looks like one of those kind of shows. I cannot believe you're in a car that's almost 100 years old. That is just, that's mind-blowing to me. That's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. 
considering how fast we go through cars these days, you know, I, you know, people are lucky these days to have a car for 10 years at this point. Oh, you know, and, and, and as I, I love cars, um, and my father, um, uh, is a car buff. I, he, he can, he can look at a car from a distance and tell you what year it was made and the model. Um, so for him, I brought, uh, you know, all these pictures and showed him all these pictures and he was just in heaven going, Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a, whatchamacallit from 1958. You know? <laughs> That's awesome. So as you made mention, yeah, no, <laughs> it's got all this. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's, it just looks like a lot of fun. So as you made mention, our conversation today is going to revolve around the beautiful country of Cuba. Now talk to me a little bit about why you decided to go to Cuba. What was the, what was the draw to going to go there? Well, um, this was, um, you know, the Obama years where Obama had opened up, started opening up um, visitors to Cuba. Um, Still limited, but in airlines were now flying to Cuba. So um, now, you know, the next presidency came in and started to shut that all down. And we decided it's now or never. Uh, quite possibly. So that that was the primary impetus uh, because it's a place I'd always wanted to go. Um, I, I dreamt of going there. And I felt personally that it was a narrow window of opportunity. I understand now very much so because I've wanted to go to Cuba for many years. This is a specific reason why I think it's important to take those political mm-hmm. considerations into factors. <coughs> Excuse me. And I know hopefully uh, with the new administration, there might be some opportunity to come up again. So uh, now how long it, when, when we went, it was really one, we went uh, nonstop from Los Angeles hmm. on Alaska airlines and we'll get to that. And, and, and it was, it was really one of the, one of the last flights um, into Cuba. It, it just a month later and it was all shut down. In fact, it was starting, it was advised that they were going to shut it down. And they were allowing people through the end of the month that we had planned. And then it was being shut down. That's insane. Um, so how long in advance did you need to plan for this kind of a trip in advance? Well, this one we planned much longer in advance than normal. <clears throat> um completely unaware of what was going to happen. Uh, but we planned this one probably, I'm going to say about eight months in advance. Okay. And what was the visa situation like? Cause I know you need very specific situational allowances to get into Cuba. Well, you do technically at the time, uh, president Obama had loosened the restrictions substantially and you could go for tourism um, sort of. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it was fuzzy. Let's just say it was fuzzy. Um, what saved us, because then this was, you know, then 2017, and um, things had changed. And what saved us is me being a college professor, I was able to tick the box that this was an educational venture for myself and my companions. Um, Although tourism was still, like I said, technically allowed uh, through the end of that month of October. Okay, perfect. 
Were there any type of special preparations that you needed to do, any like travel medications or special circumstances that you need to prepare for ahead of time? No, not, none at all. Um, it, it, uh, you know, Cuba has first-rate medical. So um, we, did, we did have medical insurance, of course, but they, they have first-rate medical care. So that, that part was not a concern at all. Okay. If I had gotten sick, that's exactly where I would have wanted to be taken care of. It looks like the weather there was beautiful, but what did you do in order to pre-pack for this? Shorts. Shorts. <laughs> Shorts. Uh, it's hot. It, it's you're, you're talking about, you know, the, the Caribbean. Um, so it, it's hot. And, and we were there during, um, you know, October, uh, the middle of October. So uh, the weather was not as bad. But there were some days that were sweltering uh, in some of the places that we went. But um, otherwise, it's just it's really casual. Uh, you know, don't 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 dress don't dress up. Um, they don't have that that kind of money, um, the people of Cuba. So it, you don't want to appear ostentatious. You 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 just want to be normal, just casual clothes. What, whatever you wear here, you can wear there. Okay. I have a quick question for you. Maybe you have an insight on this. Maybe you don't. I don't know. I'll ask though. Um, now, I know there are some areas of Cuba that the U.S., houses its prisoners and stuff like that. You know, uh, Guantanamo specifically is the one that comes to mind. I'm kind of curious with the relationship that Cuba and the U S have, it's uh, like, how are we able to do that? Do you know kind of why that is? Yeah, I do. Um, Guantanamo Bay is on the Island of Cuba. Um, Even though the relationship is so strained and there is no real official relationship um, we're able to do that because they're not going to say no, uh, you know, and, and it's 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 an unfortunate situation. I mean, you know, where you're talking about a, a military giant like the United States, um, we don't even really have any relationship with a country. And yet we are, um, you know, using part of their land. And what are they going to do? They're not going to they're not going to say get out or we'll, you know throw a rock at you, uh, you know, it, so it, it's really kind of a, you know, David and Goliath situation. Yeah. More than anything. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Okay. Now you mentioned, you may mention that you left from LAX. Um, mm-hmm. Did you just get dropped off over there or how long were you in Cuba before? Uh, I want to say we were there for about 10 days. So did you actually park at LAX or did you get like a shuttle or something like that in order to no, we flew down from Portland and met our friends in LAX? Oh, got it. Okay. That yeah, makes sense. We flew down and then we, uh, Chris flew in from Utah okay. and at least lives in Los Angeles still. So we all met at LAX, uh, to get ready for the flight to go on a flat. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. And which airline did you decide? It was Alaska. You said, Alaska, my favorite. <laughs> well, you get a lot of frequent flyer perks on there, it sounds like. I, I am the boss on Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. And uh, did you just do economy? Did you upgrade? How did you how did you go there? Do you remember? Um, we did. I didn't have status at the time. Uh, no, we all did economy. Okay, perfect. And um, it was nonstop from Los Angeles to Havana. Is that correct? Nonstop. Okay, perfect. And so there's no pre-vacation destination. When you got there, um, you get out of the airport. What's your first impression? Wow. <laughs> um, like stepping back into the 1950s. 
it's, it, it, exactly what I had hoped for. It's a time capsule, pretty much. Time capsule. That sounds amazing. It is, um, you know, and, and I don't, I don't mean it in a in a bad way or a glorifying way. It's just. <laughs> It is what it is. Um, stepping back into the 1950s because that's really technologically where they've been left, um, and it, it just, you know, we landed, we went through. Uh, well, what we did, and I don't know that it's really necessary to do this, but we spent a little bit extra, and we paid for a what's called a concierge service, which I, don't, I at the time they were offering. And you pay a little bit extra. Somebody meets you as you come off the airplane. They take you to a room, <laughs> not a, not a, you know, not a bad room. Um, it's a room with several different kinds of rum waiting for you <laughs> for you to taste. Yeah. And you sit and relax and they take care of getting your bags and then they walk you through customs, which by the way, was super easy. Uh, really? Easy. Yeah, even if you didn't have the service, um, not difficult. You know, you have the right visas. It's, you know, in, in fact, you you have to, um, you have to, you know, of course, get the visas ahead of time, um, which is a bit of a process. It's not difficult, though. Again, it can be done online, um, at, at least at the time. And, and things, I'm sure, will return to that. So not difficult could have done it on our own. This just made it so nice because we sat and had rum while someone else took care of it. (laughs) I think it was like five o'clock in the morning or no, no, it was probably a seven o'clock in the morning. Having rum didn't care. Yeah. I was like, you're on vacation. Does it really matter? Like it's five o'clock in the world somewhere. So you're, you're in Cuba. Come on, you know, enjoy the happy hour. Exactly. Happy hour. (laughs) <laughs> so what was your itinerary going to look like while you were there? What were your, what were your days? Actually, were you staying in Havana or were you going to be going somewhere else? No, we, we stayed in Havana at the beginning and the end. Okay. Um, we did all Airbnbs. Okay. Which uh, was, well, I don't know. I can't remember if it was actual Airbnb or the Cuban version but either, I think it was the Cuban version, but either way, um, completely reliable, delightful. Um, I wouldn't do it any other way. Okay. And you're staying in people's houses. Okay. Um, we are, the plan was a, a little bit more of a push than I typically would do. I'm more an immersive person, but we were with um, one of our friends, uh, Elise, who wanted to pack as many places in as possible in the time we were there. So, Fine, we accommodate that. Okay. So we started off in, in Havana for a couple of days, um, one or two days, I think. Then we went off to um, Cienfuegos, okay. uh, from Cienfuegos to Trinidad, from okay. Trinidad to Santa Clara, and then Santa Clara back to uh, Havana. So it, it was kind of a circle of the uh, western side of Cuba as opposed to um, going further east. And as, we, and, and as a quick note for my students that are out there, when we say Trinidad, we're talking about the city of Trinidad in the country of Cuba, not the country of Trinidad. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, now, how, uh, how, how, 
how were the accommodations met in terms of, you know, did you have someone from your party who spoke fluent Spanish? Did you need to speak Spanish at all? And in order to be able to get the keys, in order to make sure that the transaction worked effectively, what was the, what was the process like in order to be able to get geared up and ready for your accommodations? Well, I, I speak, um, I speak enough, um, what I call tourist Spanish. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I used to speak a lot more Spanish, but I, I, I can get by in, okay. in a Spanish-speaking country for the most part. Um, so we had planned, of course, in advance through emails, all of these places and, and, and you know, booking and prepaying and what have you and or partially paying. And um, when we got there, it, it was very easy. One thing I will say about the Cuban people is, you know, <laughs> you're not really going to run into a lot of scams or scam artists. Um, and, and that's partially because of their culture. It, it, it's just not really done. Um, the Cuban people are absolutely phenomenal. I just love them. And we, we got there, um, took a taxi to, right to the place that we needed to go. The woman was waiting for us. Um, handed us the keys, showed us everything. Uh, there was a housekeeper and cook every day um, that, that came and she spent time in the place. And it was a three bedroom, uh, three bedroom apartment up on the 11th floor overlooking the ocean. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think we paid maybe $50 a night. Oh, that's beautiful. That's, yeah. that's then, extremely comfortable. And funny story, just the year before, a cousin of mine had stayed at the same place. What is that how you did is that how you got the recommendation for it? Or it was just random? Random. And I, I was talking to it's a cousin I I've never met outside of Facebook. We were talking about it. She said, Oh, I was in Cuba with some friends of mine last year and uh, we stayed at this place. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so it was really funny and coincidental. We just happened to stay in the same apartment. <laughs> I want to jump over to some pictures that you provided for this presentation that you wanted to share some stories about. Um, talk to me a little bit about these two pictures on this specific slide that you have here. Sure. This is Havana. Uh, the, the, uh, the photograph on the left is uh, just a, a street in Havana. It's not an unusual street. It's a typical street. That's uh, with the and those beautiful houses. There's there's a fair amount of decay, um, which you can't see in the photograph on purpose, um, but there is a fair amount of you know decay in because there isn't money to fix these places up. But these places were built in a time when you know Havana was the destination, especially for Americans, uh, with casinos and and resorts and and what have you. So, you know, the, these buildings were really from that time period. They're still solid. Don't get me wrong. Oh, sorry, I lost my voice there. They're still solid, but, but there, there's you can tell they need some upkeep, some refurbishment. But this is the typical Havana street with the cobblestones and the balconies, and just beautiful and delightful. Now, the next picture that's on here is talking about something about genocide and history. Yeah, this. <clears throat> well, now. Cuba doesn't have advertisements. They don't have billboards with advertisements because it's it's a communist country. Yeah. Um, 
this is a billboard, which uh, it's the bloque, which means the, the blockade or the block. Um, the, the, it's, and what it means there is, for those of your viewers that don't speak Spanish, is uh, the genocide, the largest genocide in history um, is the economic blockade. That is what they're trying to say and, and with the noose. And um, it, it, it was just so striking to me. I, I had to, I actually um, had our driver pull around the corner so I could jump out of the car and get a photograph of this because um, it was so powerful that, um, you know, the, the view of the people was, you know, this blockade, this economic blockade is, is, has resulted in the genocide of people. Now, we granted this is a little bit propaganda, so you know, genocide yeah. is a heavy word. Um, I wouldn't call it a genocide by any stretch of the imagination, but um, it has certainly been a hardship. And I do understand the concept of the noose, and as far as like a stranglehold on their economy yeah. and over the course right. of the many years, and and that right. that does make a little sense. But yeah, some of the some of the wording genocide, for example, especially speaking to someone who's Jewish. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a little touching. <laughs> and the thing is, and one of the reasons I, I took this photograph is because one of my, one of my doctoral dissertations was on, um, uh, uh blockades, uh, you know, economic blockades. And, uh, it, you know, my, my thesis was that economic blockades don't work. They, they don't bring about change. And Cuba is a perfect example. I mean, we've had this blockade since 1959. And has anything changed? No. Um, so, you know, all, all and all blockades do is make the people suffer. The governments don't suffer. Governments are still going to thrive. Um, and the people in the governments are still going to thrive. It's the people of a country that suffer. So, um, so this, this was a particular interest to me uh, based on one of my doctoral dissertations. It's very provocative. And I do actually like the way, I mean, I mean, I, I, the message may be a little bit, inflammatory, but sure. I like the way it, that they're utilizing the billboard in order to, it, yeah. whether, whether it's, whether it's, um, it, whether it's propaganda or not, it's, it's, it's an interesting way of getting across the message from a, from a, from a purely public relations standpoint, of course. Oh, absolutely. And they're all over the place. You, I mean, you'll, you'll see them frequently different ones. Um, this one just happened to really catch my eye because of, um, the grandiose wording and and the stylization of, of what they were trying to say, um, understanding what they were trying to get across, but looking at it like, whoa, you're, you're, I, I, mm, I think you're being a little out, you know, outrageous there um, in using uh, genocide as a terminology, but yeah. Fascinating. I, yeah, no, absolutely. Let's talk about a couple of other pictures that you have here. By the way, we're going to get into a link to your website as well. I know my students will love to take a look at all the wonderful photography that you do. And I don't even think you may mention you are a cultural photographer. I am a cultural photographer in, in I, all of my stuff is for sale. I've sold quite a bit of, of photographs from all over the world. Um, th this one on the left in particular, I've, I've sold a few of, this is um, Havana Bay. It, it's just with the, with the fishing boats sitting there. I'm, I'm standing on the, the, the ocean walk and it, it just was captivating and stunning for me. I it just, I could have walked for hours, had my legs not given out. <laughs> yeah, it, 
but yes, I am a cultural photographer. And so um, I do go all over the world and, and take photographs of people and places and things and, and try and bring culture to in, in foreign cultures to uh, people that don't get out, that go, don't get to travel. And I appreciate that. Uh, I know my students do too, because it's one of those things where it gives us a little bit of a sneak preview into what goes on. Um, you know what actually strikes me about these pictures and, and these two specifically? Um, when you look on the one on the left here, and by the way, if you're listening to the podcast right now, you've got to come onto the YouTube in order to be able to see these pictures. They're fantastic. Um, if you look on the one on the left, the, sh the ships look like they're a little bit, you know, rusty and, and worn, whereas the one on the right, which is the cars, they look like they've put money into keeping these cars up to date and really, it kind of reminds me of when I went to Venice, they have these gondolas that have been there for many, many years, but the families who own these gondolas are constantly lacquering them and making sure they're, they're kept polished and pristine and, and perfect because that's their family's livelihood. And I imagine, you know, if I'm a taxi driver or if I own one of these cars, keeping this thing around is such a treasure. You don't want to let it go out of, you know, you don't want to let it go out of, uh, uh, you know, it, in dilapidation <laughs> in, in any way. Exactly. So talk to me a little bit about the one picture on the right here. Um, okay, great. The, the picture on the left, the reason, just to mention it with the boats, but yeah, these are utilitarian, so they're fishing boats. Um, they're they're not there for the picture, so yeah, they're they're going to look a little bit more haggard. Uh, the photograph on the right, yeah, the these cars are are you know they've had them since literally since the fifties, and they're prized possessions at this point. They know that it, it's something that people come to Cuba to see too. So a lot of them are taxi cabs now, um, but without taxi signs or anything like that, you, you know, but they're, they're kept up, they're polished, they're people take pride um, in their vehicle and, you know, repairing, they, they're masters at repairing them and, you know, finding repair parts or, or making the repair parts, you know, it's something you can do with a car of, of, of that age that you can't do with the computers on wheels we drive now. Um, so, so yeah, they're, they're very, very uh, proud, uh, I would say, of, of their cars and uh, of these gorgeous vehicles. It's the juxtaposition between these two pictures is blinding. It's so good. I love that. I love the way these are put laid out here. Um, let's also jump into this next series of photos, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> they're so they're, they're so stylistic and they're so editorial. I love them. Talk to me about these two wonderful ladies that are here. Um, it, the streets of Havana are fantastic. <laughs> 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 These ladies are just uh, street hawkers. Um, the lady on the right was selling, uh, I want to say they were like roasted nuts uh, in those cones. Um, there was there are other people, there was a gentleman selling baked goods and, and they literally, they sing and they, they hawk their wares and it just, you're stepping back in time. The lady on the left was selling flowers. Um, it is not uncommon to see a woman smoking a Cuban cigar. It's, it's just <laughs> not, it's not thought of as, Oh my God, a woman smoking a cigar. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And these ladies just, they were full of life and full of personality. And I, I, I mean, the woman on the left, I said, can I take a photograph of you? And she just gave the look in her eyes, like this little side wink, you know, it just, <laughs> 
they're phenomenal, you know, just warm and loving people. And, you know, one thing that I I, want to say is a a couple of things, but one thing I want to say is that, you know, a lot of times you will go to a a poorer country and if you ask to take a photograph of someone, which I always do, um, they, they might expect a little token of your appreciation for doing so. Not in Cuba. Um, there is no expectation of, you know, getting a few coins or a couple of bucks or something like that. It's just done for the love of, of, of meeting you. And, and that's one of the things that I found so beautiful and so endearing. Now, I, one thing I did want to mention before we go too far is that my, my wife was, was really, unsure about going, especially um, this was just to back up for a second, because I think this is an important point. This was right at a time when um, the Cuban um, embassy, sorry, the, the U.S. consulate in Cuba, where they had all been getting sick and, and yeah. the sound waves or something, and, and, and they were coming home. And both both my wife and um, one of our traveling companions were really kind of thinking about, you know, canceling the trip. Amy was terrified. Elise was, her mother was bugging her to cancel. And I said, I'm going without, with or without all of you. So um, when we got there, the first day we walked into one of the squares and Amy grabbed my arm and said, thank you for making me go. Uh, <laughs> it was just so magnificent and just peaceful. There's, there's there's no animosity, no problem. It's a, just a beautiful, peaceful country. Let me ask you a question about something specific to both you and to I. Um, the LGBT community, um, when we think in terms of going to a country like this, like I went to Russia recently, and I know there are some very serious issues there, and we had to... <laughs> keep it on the DL just so nobody would, you know, cause us any consternation. Um, talk to me a little bit about what your impressions, was there a concern about that going to Cuba at all? Or? Not Cuba. No. In fact, um, two of the cities we went to, uh, both Cienfuegos and Santa Clara had a, a quite, a rather large, uh, gay community. And, in Santa Clara, one of the drivers was uh, dropping us off into the um, uh, into the city. Uh, he was the we were getting ready to go back to Havana, but he was dropping us off into the city to do some last minute things before uh, driving back to Havana. And he said, "Oh, too bad you're not here on a Tuesday night." It, it, having no idea who anything about us, mm-hmm. um, just that we were four women traveling. And he said, um, "Oh yeah, so on uh, this night there's." you know this kind of dance at that place he's pointing out different places and things in the city and on on this night there's this oh and on thursday night there's um it's the uh lgbt night and on friday night and and it just so it wasn't even clicking as an issue there it wasn't even a big deal it was just kind of accepted that's it was no big deal and 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 I and we we saw trans people, we saw um, gay couples. It, it just not a big deal, at least from what I could tell. And now I don't live there, so I couldn't tell you. But from a visitor standpoint, nobody cares. Yeah, and again, if they're just, I'm always wondering if you go to these places and 
they're just putting on a show for the people or if it's real. But it sounds like for the most part, the... It felt genuine because... It felt genuine, yeah. There was an open, open, well-known gay night at one of the clubs. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, that's awesome. Let's also get into one more series of photos that you shared with me too. Now, these are from two different places here. You have this little girl in a box. Tell me a little bit about that one because she's so adorable. Uh, You know, what struck me about this photograph and the story of this photograph, and and it kind of tells the story itself, is here is this little girl who has nothing. And what a contrast to what we experience in in our country and other Western, like European nations. This little girl's toy was this box of San Pellegrino water. And look at the joy on her face. Yeah, it's very, it's very palatable. It's uh, her face. The joy just, just is what captivated me. She's sitting in the San Pellegrino water box and just having the time of her life. She's, you know, uh, talking to passersby and, and just, just complete utter joy. But you know what? I remember when I was in preschool and we had arts and crafts and we would take boxes like that and we would, you know, make like little train cabooses and we'd all have our little ones. And so, I mean, it's, you know, regardless of which culture you're in, whether it's an American culture or a Spanish or Cuban culture, it wow. seems like kids are going to be kids and they'll want to do all the fun things that they can figure their imagination to make happen. Well, and, and what, what, one of the things that this this picture really tells, the story, is that, you know, as Americans, we've been um, kind of walled off from what life in Cuba is like. And I know certainly growing up, we were taught, you know, I grew up in the 60s and 70s, more 70s. Uh, I was born in the 60s, but we we were taught that, oh, Cuba bad, um, the people are suffering, et cetera, et cetera. And and we were really, this was what we were taught. Um, And yet there we are and nobody's suffering. You know, uh, yes, it's communist, and, and I'm not talking about governments or anything like that. Uh, you know, all governments have their good parts and their bad parts, but I'm, I'm talking about the people. Um, there, there's joy on their faces, and you can you can see it in the people. Now, speaking about the story of a person's face, I take a look at the lady on the right now. Which, by the way, there is a, a again a similarity between these two ladies is that they're both have like one's missing a tooth and the other one seems to be missing a few teeth. Um, so, <laughs> so talk to me though. <laughs> yeah, they're both beautiful ladies. Um, so talk to me a little bit about you. You have a story behind the one on the right here. I do. Um, so this was in Santa Clara, which um, was really kind of um, Shea Re- Rivera's last stand for Cuba, um, where they where they kind of won the the uh, revolution. Mm-hmm. And a beautiful town. Uh, we were in the town square and you know toured the old opera house and some stuff like that on our own. And sitting in the in the square, uh, just Amy and I, and this woman is standing there. And I asked her if I could take a photograph of her and Oh, absolutely obliged and what have you. And we spoke a little, you know, Spanglish (laughs) broken, my broken, my, you know, semi understandable Spanish and, you know, her semi understandable English. We, we, we communicated and she asked where we were from and why we were there and all these things. And then she walked off and she comes back with a friend 
and she hands me a coin from the 1950s. Hmm. Cuba, a Cuban coin. An old coin. And she tells me a little story about it and puts it in my hand and then presses my hand to my heart and, you know, tells me that she has, it's, it's been many, many years since she has met an American. And I, I turned around and I gave her an American coin and she started to weep. And it was just such a beautiful moment of two people from two different cultures, so close. We're miles from the coast of of Cuba. And, you know, she remembers a different time uh, at her age. And it was just so beautiful. The, the, the words didn't even have to be spoken, just the interaction between the two of us. And it, it left such an indelible mark on me. Um, it, it, it's just something I'll always remember that, that, that connection that, you know, for, for a short period of time, she really, she got to meet some Americans, you know, um, again. Oh, it's just such a beautiful story. That's just lovely. And I'm sure she really appreciated, you know, the interaction. She it did. Just... In, in fact, one of the things she was saying was um, she kept talking about John F. Kennedy. Mm. And it was really interesting. Um, you know, it, it just just the interaction with her uh, and, and at my age, understanding who and what she was talking about and, you know, it, having been a young child. But but of course, you know fresh in our history books by the time we were in school. Um, it, it just, it was such a, just a wonderful interaction. One, one of the most beautiful interactions I've ever had. It seems wonderful. You have a, you have such great stories. It, it seems like you just happen to be at the right place at the right time, whether it's at a cooking extravaganza in Vietnam, <laughs> or if it's meeting warriors in Africa. So, I mean, you have these amazing opportunities and people really need to go back to some of our previous uh, YouTube vlogs or podcasts and really get the flavor for all the kinds of wonderful things you do. So again, thank you for sharing this with me. Um, but before we get on to that, there is one yeah. other quick story I will tell you. Please. Um, we, one of the things, and this is part of the, the pros and things to be aware of. Mm-hmm. So this fits right in. Um, Cuba is still, because of the embargoes, they, they have limited you know, ability for anything. Um, you have to buy Wi-Fi um, at cafes and what have you. It, it's very inexpensive. Um, our cell phones worked sometimes, which was interesting. The um, most Airbnbs do have Wi-Fi, but but again, don't you can't count on um, technology when you're there. <clears throat> Excuse me, when you're there. Um, one of the towns we were at, Cienfuegos, when we were there, we had gone for dinner. We were walking back to our Airbnb and thunderstorm, all the lights in the, t- in the city went out. That was done, done for the night. And we got back, we, you know, had some, used our phones with flashlights and got back to our Airbnb. And Amy and I had some Cuban cigars that we had just bought and um, a couple bottles of 
amazing Cuban rum, which is like water there. I mean, it's so <laughs> intensive. It's, a sh it's just criminal. And um, neither one of us are huge rum fans or smokers, but we just, we sat on the, the swing, the double swing on the porch while there were no lights and smoked a cigar and drank some rum out of the bottle and, and, and watched the lightning. It, it was just, I, I don't know. It was just so quintessential you know, it's magical Cuba, Cuba experience. <laughs> but, um, so that's one of the things to be aware of is that you, you're not going to, you know, have solid technology. So be prepared to, for it to be spotty. And then of course, you know, like you were saying before you were wearing shorts a lot of the time. So the heat is obviously something else you need to be prepared for too. Yes, you do need to be aware of the heat. Um, uh, in the town of San Fuegos, we, we um, you know, for, for better or worse, spent Amy and I, while, while Chris and uh, Elise were on horseback riding to a waterfall, Amy and I decided to compare um, pina coladas between restaurants. So, yeah, um, that, was, that was something to, that's a pro. I, I think that's a pro as well as we <laughs> could be aware of that, um, you know, excessive drinking and the heat is going to amplify it, but uh, yes. Well, yes. well worth it. I, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, another thing I think that probably is important to be aware of, and it kind of relates to uh, value adds, cost savings and best practices as well is it sounds like with a place like Cuba, you really have, you can't just randomly go and just, on a, on, a, on a drop of a dime and just do whatever. It's something you have to plan for in advance. You have to plan for your hotel. You have to plan for your visa. You have to plan for any excursions that you're doing, yeah. unless it's like local, just shopping or something like that, even if that's the case. Well, you have to, um, there isn't a lot of shopping to do. There are some like little street festivals, you know, not festivals, um, street markets, I should say, yeah. where you can buy trinkets and ha ha all handmade um, nothing comes from China. It's all handmade stuff um, and, and, and T-shirts and a couple of T-shirts and things. But, yeah, um, you have to plan everything in advance. I mean, we had to have all of our accommodations nailed down prior to going because it needed to be um, stated for the visa where we were staying, when we were staying there. Now, we didn't have the one thing that did cost a bit more was the transportation because there there is no public transportation. You have to hire a car to go from place to place. Okay. Um, so that you know in in you know being there were four of us and we were splitting it four ways. Um, it, it was not that expensive. It, it was you know fairly reasonable, but um, that is your biggest expense is going to be getting from place to place. Okay. That sounds pretty good. And, and in terms of uh, booking ahead of time, did you use a travel aggregator site or did you no. go specifically through very specific channels in order to find go specific channels for Cuba because it's, um, you know, it's, it's so it's, it's limited, but it's also very, you know, um, kept, you know, kept in a box, I should say, um, you know, although I think we did find some of them on Airbnb, which was good. Um, but, uh, and, and as far as cost savings go, or, or sorry, some best practices, uh, as far as best practices go, eat everything. <laughs> I, I can imagine. So like, what was your yes. favorite food there? Yes. 
Oh, oh okay. Well, that would that pretty much covers everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like I think of Cuban sandwiches or croquettes or anything like that. I, I don't know if that's actually seafood. Americanized or the seafood is amazing. Yeah. Oh, just incredible. But yes, eat everything. Okay. Um, oh, and, and a lot of times the restaurants will have Wi-Fi, so you know you can always uh, connect to Wi-Fi um, while eating uh, on your on your phone or a laptop or something. Very uh, cool. And it's free, so but that's another that's another uh, little tidbit that people can do. Can I share your information with my students? By the way. Absolutely. Okay. So. Again, thank you very much, Professor, um, <laughs> for all the wonderful information you share with my students. If you'd like to see more of the photography that Marissa does, and again, you are an amazing cultural photographer. Again, thank just you. such incredible work. Uh, you can find information on her Facebook page um, at, uh, I believe it's Paul Frederico mm-hmm. Photography on Facebook. Um, on the website, it's actually FredericoPhotography.com, or on Instagram, it's at uh, Frederico Photography as well. Correct? Correct. Awesome. Well, Marissa, as always, it is such a pleasure to have an interview with you. You have done such amazing travels. Your stories are amazing. I really appreciate the time and the effort you put into this. I know, especially because of the pandemic, a lot of people are needing that therapy in order to you know, know about what to do when they get finally get back into the ability to travel. So again, thank you so much for sharing this with us. You're welcome. And it's therapy for me to talk about it, to be honest with you, being being locked up and prevented from getting on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I, I, and I hope we get to hear from you again in the future on some of your amazing travels that, and adventures that you've done. Absolutely. Thanks so much. And for my students that are out there, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach me at scott at theprofessortravel.com. If you'd like to know when new videos go up on YouTube, please feel free to click that bell icon right above us in order to be notified about that. If you haven't already done so, please feel free to subscribe. There's no charge for it. And we really appreciate the interaction with our community. And then, of course, if you like this content and you would like to see more of it, please give us a thumbs up as well. Now, if you're on the podcast, Again, please feel free to rate us, review us. We always appreciate the feedback. So until next time, my name is Scott. I am the Professor Travel and make every day a travel adventure. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye now. The Professor Travel is a broadcast from Orange County, California. A transcript of each podcast may be requested by contacting The Professor Travel at his website, theprofessortravel.com. For opportunities to work with The Professor Travel, feel free to contact Scott at theprofessortravel.com or contact us through YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook at The Professor Travel or Twitter at TheProfessorTR1. Make every day a great day to have a travel adventure.